Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com/give. Enjoy the message. Uh, well, I hope you're having a good day. I'm Ben. I'm the lead pastor. Uh, what do you think about the weather uh, last couple days? Been pretty crazy. I'm convinced people are learning how to drive again in the rain for the first time. Uh, I live uh, up on the Sammamish Plateau, was going down uh, into Issaquah, and there was a four-car accident on the way down. No one was hurt, uh, it looked like, in the accident, just a fender bender. Uh, but as I was driving down, for those of you who are not familiar with that area, uh, it, the traffic is bad on it, really any time of day, but when there's an accident and it was down to one lane, it was particularly bad. So uh, I was going, the police were, you know, letting us go, like it seemed like one car per hour as we're driving down into Issaquah. And there's a, a big line of cars, there's a car behind me. Have you ever watched the driver in the car behind you in your rearview mirror? Any of you ever do that? Yeah. So I could see the look in this person's face. I won't describe them because it could be you. And uh, I could see that they're getting frustrated with the line. And so this person pulls out from behind me to get a little further ahead in the line. By the way, that is not good. That is bad etiquette when it comes to that. And I got to tell you, I was a little bit disappointed because this person was driving a little Nissan Leaf. uh, and, And come on, you're a Leaf driver. I mean, aren't you people supposed to be, you know, a conscience about the environment and everything else? But I guess when it comes to getting your own way, it's every person for yourself. So we have this sinful little leaf driver trying to get out in front of traffic. And, uh, and it bothered me uh, a little bit, I was thinking. But I just, I like to put everything in a theological perspective. So I was really thinking about heaven and hell and damnation. And so uh, as, as this was happening, so I'm driving along. The other drivers see what this person is doing and they, they refuse to let this person in. They, <laughs> thank you, Lord. Uh, so some of you wonder if God is just. Well, now we know. And so, but then literally this person is so stuck. They went up probably 20 cars and finally it gets to my car. So I have the decision. Does Pastor Ben let this person in as a sign of God's grace, even when we're sinful? And you know what? I, I decided, you know, that is exactly what I'm going to do. Next time I'm in a situation like that. (laughs) Well, uh, some people wonder if these stories are true. I couldn't make that one up. I really couldn't. You know, we we face this battle in our life. Uh, Sometimes we think, hey, I'm going to want my own way. I'm going to live life alone. And I'm going to find success that way until we get to a point where it doesn't feel like success anymore. When we realize that we can be in a, in a room, a big room like this, full of people, and we can be surrounded by others, but feel alone. 
You'll notice people with t-shirts this weekend. We're sort of in preseason, not only at football, but preseason at Timberlake Church uh, as after Labor Day, we're going to kick off groups. And our theme around that is from Hebrews 10, 24, that, that no one should stand alone. No one needs to stand alone. And I'm going to talk about how that can be true for you, but it is dependent upon your participation. Because God's made a choice, we've made a choice as a church uh, to really create an environment like that. By the way, let, let me give you a little update on what's been going on uh, lately in the church uh, this summer. We've had great things going on in our Duval and Issaquah uh, uh, campuses. Uh, we've seen more people watching online. Many of you know uh, Timberlake North, Woodenville, Bothell is going to launch in 2016. Uh, we've seen a lot of people here on the Redmond campus connect. In fact, over 200 adults who have not been involved in ministry before in the last year who are now serving. And that's a great place to connect. We have uh, people, one of the things I love about our lobby is uh, the food, and people just stop and talk with one another. That's a great way to connect. And then groups. Uh, there will be, I think, 130 different group options. Now, uh, many of them are full already, even before we get to this first weekend. But that's a great place for you to grow in your faith. And so I'm encouraging you, uh, even if you had to choose between that and coming on the weekend, Get connected in a great group to turbocharge your faith. So we're looking at that. That's my little commercial because we're looking at the theme of together versus alone. And I'm not going to describe so much uh, the why. I think we talk about that. I just talked about that. I've talked about the avenues we've provided. If you'll take them, if you don't, I get it, but it's gonna, you're probably going to not feel as connected as you should and probably not grow spiritually like you want to. Uh, so we're going to look at that theme today. We're going to look at two other themes. We're going to look at uh, the theme of progress versus perfection. Uh, any of you a work in progress? Yeah. Any of you perfect? Yeah, just me. The, uh, no, yeah, so, uh, but you, some of you uh, who grew up in a religious uh, atmosphere, I didn't. Suddenly, they wouldn't say it was true, but you were taught that you had to get it together in this way and that way, otherwise you were less than. And I know whenever I see an environment like that, I will see a church that acts spiritual but is immature, and there's so much raunchy sin stuff going on beneath the surface because everyone's afraid to really say, this is where I'm at. God, will you take me to where you want me to be? Uh, and then next week, I'm going to look at uh, prayer versus worry and really more intimacy with God and invite you to a 30-day journey of prayer. You don't have to be part of it. Well, where do I get these ideas? Did I pull them uh, out of my head? No, I pulled them from a book of the Bible called Philippians. This summer, we spent three weeks on three verses of Scripture. We're going to do a three-week overview of the book of Philippians. So if you're not familiar with the Bible, uh, I think hopefully you'll learn a lot of practical stuff, but you're also going to get really familiar with the book of the Bible. In fact, let's take our uh, outline out of our programs, and let's look at the very first verse that we read uh, in Philippians. Uh, it says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Will you underline partnership? 
there's a theme there, and it's directly related to joy. There's a corollary there. Sixteen times in the book of Philippians, the word joy or rejoice is used. It's a very small book of the Bible, but it's centered on joy, which I find is odd because if you knew the guy who wrote it and in the circumstances in which he wrote it, you'd say, how could this person be joyful? It was written, God, God used the apostle Paul. He has a great story. He was anti-God, became a, a Christ follower. And you'd think, well, okay, he accepted Jesus. Everything went well. He still had struggles. He was losing his eyesight. We know that. He had physical problems. Uh, he had family reject him. He had his former colleagues uh, really were out to get him. He had uh, spiritual problems that he couldn't get over some sin issues we read in Romans chapter 7. He was thrown in prison. And so why do I say this? It's not very cheery, is it? Because he has this incredible joy despite persistent sin and physical problems and relational turmoil and even being thrown in prison. And so I think most of us are not in any sort of situation like that. So just to know that it's attainable for you. And we you say, well, you know, I, uh, joy, that just seems like fluff. I just want to serve God and get deep with God. Well, you, you, you won't know God until you know joy. In fact, in Psalm 43, uh, God is called the God of exceeding joy. God is the most joyful being in the universe. He experiences sorrow. We know that. Jesus was called a man of sorrows. But joy is part of God's nature and what he wants us to participate in. It's not just uh, for when we die and when hopefully we're, we're going to be with Christ, but right now. So let's look at the truth about joy, and then I'm going to get into today's study. Uh, the truth about joy is this, is joy uh, is not a personality. It's not, you know, sort of, any of you remember like Richard Simmons? <laughs> yeah, that is not joy. <laughs> uh, it's not like, hey, everybody, uh, you can be an introvert, you can be more pensive, you can be more thoughtful and have incredible joy. I know people, and we, I mean, uh, sad, we've seen people who've taken their own lives and they've, on the outside, it's like they seemed like they had it all together. See, joy is not a personality. Uh, joy comes from God. I talked about that. Uh, and we also see this, that joy can be lost. Uh, King David, uh, when he went through a, a time of difficulty and sin, he prayed this in Psalm 51. He said, God, restore to me the joy of my salvation. So it can be lost, but it can be restored. And joy can be passed on. And that's what I'm looking at particularly uh, today. In fact, in the book of Philemon, a little book in the Bible we've studied before, it says this. Uh, this, again, is written by Paul. He says, Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the saints. Will you circle given me great joy? So how do we do that? How, you know, how does that happen? Again, part of the context of this, and we're going to look at really something that can apply to any relationship. As we get more connected as a church, it could reply, apply to your ministry team or growth group, but definitely your workplace, uh, extended family, any environment you find yourself in, because they all have conflict. Any of you have any conflict in your workplace, in your family? Of course you do. If you don't, you are unemployed and single. <laughs> you know, they, uh, because we all, anytime you put two people together, there's going to be a level of conflict. 
So how do we navigate this? And this is what we find in Philippians chapter 2. The first principle we find for enjoying people on your life is focus on your common mission. Uh, You need to uh, focus on your common mission. Philippians 2.2, it says this, Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one of mine. See, my wife and I do best when we're focused on our common mission. I talk to people who are empty nesters, and you're having problems right now because it was all about the kids, and now you're saying, okay, what is our mission together? If you have no common mission in a workplace, uh, in a family, you will start to devour each other because we were never meant to live life just for ourselves. It's not only a God principle, it's a good principle. It really is. In fact, I remember I pastored uh, down in San Diego, uh, California. Uh, I was in California for a number of years before I came back home. And at the church I pastored at in San Diego County, we had a lot of Navy SEALs who went to our church. Uh, You're familiar with Navy SEALs, right? You've read about them. These people are like superheroes, And uh, I remember I did a number of retirement ceremonies on the SEAL base, and these people would be doing all these push-ups and, you know, throwing cars at each other. And uh, uh, literally in the military, I know some of you have been in the military, but quite arguably, these are the people who are the, the most physically fit in the entire of our armed forces. They also have to be pretty smart people, and they are like these fierce warriors, so I, I get a call from uh, one guy. Uh, well, I, I actually, his, his wife called, uh, and uh, they, they got a hold of me. His name was Tim. It was my day off. Uh, but they said, hey, it's really important. Tim is in the hospital. Uh, he was at the Navy hospital and wants to uh, talk to you. And he really wants to talk to you in particular. Family's there, but he needs to talk to you. So I said, of course I'd go. And, and I drove over uh, to the Navy hospital and uh, I just walk in. He, he wanted to have that conversation. And uh, he said, you know, hey, Pastor Ben, uh, I, I'm afraid. He, he had a tumor in his head, a real large tumor in his head. And he goes, you know, I, I feel like I've sort of blown up with God and my family and all of that. And he really wasn't even thinking rationally. And who can blame him at this point? And uh, he's... I said, here's, here's the good news from what I understand it. I talked to your dad, and his dad was a surgeon. And the tumor uh, they have found is benign. So you're not going to die from this tumor. And he's like, oh, good. Okay, good. Now I can get back to normal, and I feel really good. I said, here's the bad news, Tim. You're going to die anyway. I'm not good at hospitals. I don't know why. Uh, I told you people don't like it. Uh, uh, and, and he looks at me, and I said, no, you're not going to die from this. I said, but remember like 90 seconds ago when you said, I wish I would have invested in that relationship with God and my family. I, I just, I, you have this opportunity because the mortality rate hovers right now at approximately 100% of the population. So... Uh, Isn't that great news? What do you do? What do you learn in church today? I'm going to die. But you've got a glimpse of death and you have the opportunity to rewrite the rest of your life. This guy was probably late 20s, not very old. And, And he did that. 
and his mission in life changed in relationship with God and his family. And he knew it was the most important thing, but he didn't live it out. We know that, right? Not many people. I mean, I know there's a few weirdos who would choose the wrong path. We know usually what the right thing to do is, don't we? We know what we're supposed to do. We just have a harder time doing it. So what if God, even in this moment, This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your time to say, as a family, we're going to get on this path. And we we know how we've been flaky and before, and we've let other things get in the way. But if we knew that we were going to be dead in 30 days, we'd live this way. And so I'm going to live that way. Focus on a common mission. And then uh, number two, avoid the me monster. Brian Reagan, one of my favorite comics, he talks about the me monster. You know, you go to a party, you see the person, no matter what the conversation is, they turn it back on themselves, you know. Oh, yeah, I just uh, took a vacation down to Palm Springs. Really? Well, I just went to Hawaii. Oh, I just went to Hawaii. Well, really? I just went to Fiji, you know. And there's people like that because we live with a little bit of selfishness. Think about your workplace, if you had turned that around. Think about a growth group. If you turn that around, think about what that means for us as a church as we're learning to turn that around. It doesn't come naturally to me. Uh, in fact, I uh, also, when I was back down in San Diego, got two San Diego stories for you. Uh, when we went there, uh, we were in a community where lots of new homes, and so we bought a new home. That's pretty much all they had in this uh, community. Very diverse community. A uh, lot of, of course, it was near the Mexican border, so a lot of Hispanic people, but also a lot of Japanese and Chinese people, a lot of uh, Anglo people. And it's interesting as we bought our house, we, uh, th- we didn't realize that uh, some of the neighborhoods, like there were certain ethnicities on certain streets. So we moved into a Filipino neighborhood. And so it was like us and everyone else was Filipino, which is great because we, we usually uh, love to get to know our neighbors, not like closely, but more like, hey, how you doing? And that's about as close as we ever get to them. And so, uh, but a lot of these people were new from uh, the Philippines, real nice uh, people. They didn't invite us to block parties, really super hospitable. And it changed though one day the nature of the relationship. My neighbor, Kitty Corner, uh, he was working on his car. I don't know why, but he shut the garage door and there was all sorts of gases in his garage and a spark hit and it just blew up into flames. It burned him and then the house caught on fire. Uh, his family, he had five kids ranging from young to teenage kids. And so they run out of the house. They had relatives over and the uncle was over. And so all of them run out. They don't have any, uh, you know, it's, it's summer. It's like summer in San Diego. It's summer, like about 362 days a year. And so uh, they're running out. Uh, one of the people in our neighborhood was a doctor, helps the man. And so he's, he, he's okay. My wife, uh, who really is one of the most Uh, gracious people in the world. She loves to serve people. She went into action because she saw this family and they were, you know, hey, they were out there in the middle of the street and she thought someone needs to do something about this. And so she was like a general with an army. And so I was a soldier (laughs) and uh, she said, you go invite them into our house. So I did what I was told. It was a Saturday. We had church that night, but I'm like, okay, you know, this is more important. The need in the moment. So the family comes over. There's, I think there were like 10 of them in the house, 10 or 11 of of them in the house. We had been to Costco that day, which is good because they cleaned us out of everything. And so uh, my wife is feeding them and they're, in fact, she did something. Uh, I was watching the, the Huskies were playing. 
And I was just, I was down in San Diego, but I, was, I went to college at the University of Washington, and I was watching the Huskies playing, and my wife come over, comes over and grabs the remote. You should not do this. And she changes it to the Disney Channel for the kids. Okay, so that's what happens. Uh, so, so we're there. They're, they're, they don't know where they're going to live. They're calling relatives. It's time to go. And it's time to go. Uh, they're all barefoot. They don't have these shoes. So my wife, she gets this idea. That's, that's okay. We'll just, and there's, I told you, there's about 10 of them. We're going to give them our shoes, which meant my shoes. Now, I don't know about you, I don't want to do any gender stereotypes, but I have like four pairs of shoes. I have brown shoes and black shoes that are dress shoes. I have hiking shoes, which I use every couple years, and I have gym shoes. And so, you know, I don't have a lot of shoes, and fortunately, my size foot fit almost everyone in the family. And, uh, and I, I was really like, couldn't we buy them shoes? Couldn't we do something like that? Anyway, long story short, they got the shoes. They had dirty feet. I never asked for them back. But uh, go a couple months later, uh, actually maybe more, more like six months later, the family's back in the house. The atmosphere of the neighborhood changed. And really, I, I credit my wife with this. In fact, whenever there were parties, we were always, that send a kid over, we were invited as honored guests, which was awesome. Uh, and it was just, it became less about each of us individually. And I think we got the sense of that we would be better together, even, even in, in a community. I think that sometimes God will use the most difficult situations to really help us understand what our mission is and how to live that out and how we're better together. Well, you say, well, you know, I've been hurt before. Well, welcome to the human race. Don't mean to be, I don't want, I, I don't want to minimize your hurt, but if that's going to be your trump card to not get into community, you will never experience God's will in your life. You, will you say, but don't give me any buts. You keep your buts to yourself. Uh, I'm telling you that it will be impossible for you to experience God's will. You got to get past the hurt. I'm not saying you don't need to deal with it. And say, you know, it's not going to be about me. In fact, I I remember when I was uh, a college student. And uh, after I graduated from college, I worked in Seattle for a couple years. I was going to a church, great church in in many ways. Uh, The pastor was an incredible preacher. He didn't preach that often, and so they'd have a lot of guest preachers. The music there was uh, from uh, really the the 90s, you know, sort of like the 1590s. And so uh, it was so, I, I wasn't raised in church, so I didn't have any like fondness for music that just seemed like it was horrible. And so uh, I'm there, and then sometimes he'd be out of town. I'm like, oh, should I even go to church today? And I remember praying about it. And I actually, I, I was spiritually smug. I was thinking, well, maybe I need more. And you know what I remember in that moment? Not that you can't, you know, it's okay if God calls you to change the church. You know what I remember the Lord impressing on me? What if it's not about you, Ben? What if it wasn't about, because Jesus gave his life for us. And maybe it's that I'm there to meet a need. And I, that's what I did. I said, God, I'm going to be faithful. I showed up every week and I looked for people who looked like they were a little bit alone. And it's funny, God always presented someone. And I grew more spiritually 
during that period of time, and I'm not kidding, than when I got my master's or doctorate in theology. When I just simply said, God, is there a need that you would have me meet? Part of this is uh, help make other people win. Uh, It says, but rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And then number four, start and end with attitude. And the example that we get here is Jesus. See, uh, there's certain ways, people say, just be like Jesus. There's certain ways you'll never be like Jesus. One, you're not going to be God. (laughs) For some of you, you just found this out. This is news for you. (laughs) In fact, some of you need to remind your, you know, your spouse or your parent. Yeah, you're not God. Uh, You're probably, God's going to probably not use you to perform a lot of physical miracles. I believe that miracles happen today, uh, but they're called miracles for a reason because they usually don't happen, but God can do what he wants to do whenever he wants to do it. You know how you can be like Jesus? You can be like Jesus in his attitude when you start and end with attitude. So, so what, what is the attitude of Jesus? He didn't demand his rights. Uh, see, he, he could have said, uh, by the way, people, you have this wrong. You need to do what I tell you to do. In fact, I'm so proud that this person isn't here this weekend. I'm not going to use their name. Uh, someone goes to church. They, they lead one of a, a good-sized company you'd all know in the area. And they were going through a difficult time. And some of the workers would said, just the attitude of reflecting Jesus. And this person didn't need to tell anyone that he was a Christian. It was just very obvious in that. So you can do that in your workplace even. It says, uh, who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. He was willing to serve. We talked about that. It says, rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, And and this one, he was okay with being misunderstood. He was okay with being misunderstood as he accepted people. We we talked about this this summer, is that no matter what you've done, where you've been, everyone always needs to be accepted here because that's what Jesus did doesn't mean we approve of every decision or lifestyle, because I don't know about you. I don't think God approves of every decision that I make in my life. But there's that radical acceptance. It says, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. See, people didn't know why Jesus went to the cross. They just thought, oh, here's another burned-out religious teacher. And what they didn't realize is that he was going to the cross for them. And it was only after he rose from the dead that people really got it. In fact, we we read this as we close out this passage. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. If you're 
new here, maybe this is your first week or first couple of weeks at Timberlake Church, uh, I, I want to say one welcome. We're glad that you're here. Uh, I also want you to know that if you're looking for the perfect church, probably need to keep moving on and let me know when you find it. Uh, if you're here and you're saying, hey, I'm skeptical of the whole thing, I don't even like organized religion, well, we can't get our act together to be organized, so you'll fit in perfectly around here. Uh, if you're saying, I believe in God, but I'm just not sure how I can connect with him in a personal way, or I, I've, I've done that before, but I feel like I've blown along the way, or I'm ready for my next step, then you probably have just found the right place. See, I, I, I've been amazed as we've looked uh, really at the number of you who've taken big steps of faith. And every time, just God does, does miracles. You know, we've had the opportunity, uh, not only here in Redmond, but in our Duval and Issaquah campus, uh, those who join us uh, through videocast, to hear stories of people who say, you know, I didn't know if I could be part of a community like this. I didn't know if I could take that step. And many people not only found community and relationship and better relationships, but to hear the stories of finding an authentic relationship with Jesus along the way. And, and I, I want you to hear one of those stories from our Issaquah campus. <laughs> 